Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener. This is your host, Ken Lane. We're here talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona, and it has been wonderful to watch things grow, to set new blooms. Right now, you're seeing a shrub that's about head high, maybe a little above head height, eight foot, you know, ceiling height, if it's really mature. It's called a Rose of Sharon. It's got a flower about four to five inches across, and it comes in white with a red center, pure white, comes in pinks, purples, blues, reds, lavenders, I mean, a host of colors, much like a rose, but it's actually not a rose. It's a, it's a hibiscus. It's a hardy hibiscus, one of the only hardy hibiscus for northern Arizona. All the other ones, let's say you folks from Phoenix, uh, the deserts, California, Hawaii, the, the, the tropical warmer climates, you've got that humongous flower. That's, it's a hibiscus that's bigger than the size of your hand. It's ginormous. That particular one will grow up here, but it freezes out in the winter, so it would be considered an annual. Blooms like crazy for now, and then come winter, the roots freeze out and it doesn't come back. The Rose of Sharon, though, is hardy. I think it's rated down to minus 40 degrees. I mean, even at the highest elevations, I mean, above Williams, Flagstaff, the White Mountains, you folks... You can grow this Rose of Sharon, and you can count on it to bloom every summer. I mean, it's just bulletproof. And so that's one that you really do want to plant now during the summer. You want to plant it when you can see it in bloom, when it's it's showing off, because it's happiest in the summer, warm soils, warm days, warm nights. A lot of folks want to plant those midwinter when it's dormant, that's when the book tells you to plant it. That's when it says, oh, it's the best time. But I find your success rate actually goes up if you plant it while the soil is warm. What happens is you can plant it when it's dormant. Generally speaking, that's a good time. That's when you plant your lilacs and forsythia and quince and all those azaleas, rhododendrons. You plant those dormant spring bloomers, and they like the coolness. They like to bloom when it's you know, frosty and snowy out, but not so much with your summer bloomers. That would be your desert willows, crepe myrtles, chitalpas, desert, uh, a rose of Sharon's. Those guys, they prefer, they don't like the cold, wet, moist uh, uh, roots of spring. They, they like a soil that's very warm. So many times what will happen They'll plant that for you in the spring. Let's see, we come out and put the, install that for you. Uh, and we'll be glad to do it. We'll have some choices. We'll have some of those summer bloomers available in the spring. But, but what happens is you can get some heavy snows. Those snows slowly melt. They get the soil so that it's soggy wet. Now it's cold at night. And this plant stays too wet, too soggy, too long, too cold. It's going, I'm just, I'm checking out. That's it. And so it wakes up really late. It's, it's blooms, blooms late. If you simply wait to plant the summer bloomers while it's still warm, while it's now, right now, while the monsoons are happening through, 
about Thanksgiving. The soil will stay warm. Things will continue to root really through the end of the year, especially for you folks that are at, let's say, Cortis Junction, Sedona, Camp Verde, Cottonwood, I'd say Prescott Valley, all the way up to that mid-5,500 foot level. Those plants will root to the end of the year. Okay, the higher elevations, okay, the peaks, the Highland Pines, your Williams, uh, the, the, the Munns Park, the, the Pine Top Lakeside, you know, Greer, those the higher elevations, you folks, it just cools off maybe a month or two earlier. So by the end of Thanksgiving, let's say, the soil stays warm. But by then it starts to get cool. See, now through at least Thanksgiving for all elevations, the higher mountains of, of Arizona, great time to plant a new new rose of serens, crepe myrtles, the, the um, any of the euonymus, your evergreens, nandinas, spruce, pine, fir, uh, do really well with planting now. But the showstoppers are going to be, I mean, there's two things people are coming in for right now. It's rose of Sharon. They come in going, what's that flower? What What is it? I want to know. I want one. They come in tree form and shrub form, the rose of Sharon. Both do exceptionally well here. The tree will be, oh, it gets up not, not very tall, very short. I would say no more than 10 feet by about eight, six, eight foot wide. So it's a beautiful accent tree. Or the most popular, most common, and most affordable, really, is the shrub form. Again, the shrub will be about well, just, a bit, just a bit taller than you and I and a bit wider. So if you call it eight by five foot wide. And it just, it's a deciduous tree. It's got a beautiful fall color to it. Fall foliage is like aspen gold on your Rose of Sharon. All colors, aspen gold. And then it goes dormant. It will go to sleep, drop its foliage, wake up about sometime in May, form its buds all until right now, and then it just erupts with foliage. I've had a Rose of Sharon loaded so heavy with flowers. If fertilized right, it can be so heavy, it will almost fall over because of the flower buds. And so that, it, it produces that many flowers. It's crazy. Nothing's like it. The other one people are coming in for, and it's a little more finicky, is the crepe myrtle. I say crepe myrtle, I would say at the higher elevations, probably not ideal. I would say above 6,000 foot level, let's get you into something that's more, a little hardier. But at that 6,000 foot and below level, Oh, crepe myrtles are wonderful. Now, not all crepe myrtles are created equal. Some at that that variety of plants, some of them are more tender than others. I'd say your true southern varieties, the hardy, the real hot heat lovers, to the Texas, you folks from Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, you you all are famous for the crepe myrtles. Not all of those varieties will grow here. Some will. We probably have, I don't know, five, six, maybe eight varieties here at the garden center. I truly don't know. There's a lot of them. But we curate all the, out of all the choices, out of the hundred plus choices of crepe myrtles, we have you know, less than 10 varieties. We're trying to get the ones that winter over here, that have the hardier rootstock that will take that cold extremes of warm days, cold nights that messes up some of those plants, we've got those varieties. Unfortunately, we don't have a tree variety. Those are the ones that are really the, the, the southern gardeners. Let's say they retired here to Arizona, and they're from the, the, the Midwest and South where they've, they were famous for their crepe myrtles. 
the tree forms are really dicey here. I would say probably not worth investing trying one. We don't even sell them here at the garden center, here at Waters at least, because they're just, half of them will die. They're just so not consistent. Well, when you're coming to us, we figure you're coming to a specialty retailer. We focus in on plants, nothing but plants, and plants that work for here. Well, I don't want plants that are that are borderline. I want success. You know, here's an instruction sheet. Do this, plant this plant, it will succeed. That's the kind of plants we want. And so we really spend a lot of energy and time with quality, variety, the timing of when to have things. We really focus in on that. There's even a new variety of crepe myrtle. There's the one that just came out this year. It's got purple foliage. I planted this back in April and May in my own gardens. It is performing exceptionally. Here's the beauty. Most crepe myrtles have green foliage. This variety, I've got two colors, white and a pink, or is it borderline red? It's kind of whatever color that is. It's bright. It's fluorescent. But the foliage comes out like purple leaf plum foliage, not, but not a, not a matted finish. I mean, this is glossy purple foliage. Even without flowers, this crepe myrtle is magnificent. I mean, it is so neat. I'm so excited. Now it's starting to bloom. And so it's really going to, I think this is going to be a new, just exceptional new variety that we can introduce here for the mountain country that is unique. You can't find it anywhere else. And the purples go well with those, those lighter colored rock lawns. So if you've got crushed granite, those areas, that purple is quite striking. If you've got a light colored adobe house, the striking purple foliage is very pretty. And then the added bonus is you get this fluorescent flower uh, every every summer. You can count on it. Anyway, that's we got a lot in store this, this uh, show for you. Stay tuned. Be right back. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Waters Garden Companion plants for August are radio red salvias, butterfly bush, and trumpeting vine. Large clusters of red and orange flowers create a dramatic show all season long with Waters Trumpet Vine. This vigorous vine thrives in heat and blooms profusely with neglect. Quickly covers large areas as a ground cover, spilling over retaining walls, screening a fence, or cloaking arbors. Guaranteed to attract more hummingbirds and only found at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Hi, Kenneth Waters with our Monster Monsoon Sale, our only sale of the year. Truckloads of fresh autumn maple, aspen, and spruce have just arrived, and we need room, so summer plants must go. Perennials, trees, shrubs, even pottery must go, and it's worth your while with plant sales at 25, 45, even 65% off. It's Waters only sale of the year at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Where people who love great plants at sale prices, they love to shop. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. All right, so we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week with your garden questions. Just what are your neighbors? What's happening at other gardens? And it's probably going to migrate over. It's either in your yard, you just don't know it yet, or it's about to be there. It's worthy of sharing that uh, just from your neighbors. So welcome to the studio, Lisa. Thank you. 
Yeah. Good to be back. Sorry. Had to step up to the microphone. I'm yeah, there st- you go. I love <laughs> it when you're just stepping back and admiring me on yes. the microphones, yeah. over the airwaves. Usually I'm just waiting for a chance to, to talk. Uh-huh. Yeah, there you go. That sounds like me. <laughs> anyway, uh, so it, anyway, this is uh, gardening just yeah. in northern Arizona. That's mm-hmm. broadcast from Kingman to the White Mountains, Flagstaff, all the way down to Sedona and, and wow. uh, uh, obviously Prescott, Prescott Valley, Chino Valley. But uh, and all of us are the same gardens. So, mm-hmm. yeah, grasshoppers might hit Prescott Valley first and they're bigger but the ones up in Ash Fork and Seligman are smaller and more, more of them. So it's just, it, it's just a matter of time before they hit us all. So right. uh, what's going on out in the gardens? Well, lots of stuff going on out in the gardens. So Aileen has a question. She has little elms coming up all over her yard. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she wants to know what's the best way to get rid of those. And is there a way to prevent them? So elm trees. So, so, so downtown Prescott has good elms. Those are Princeton elms or American elms. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those don't tend to throw off seed. They don't sucker as much. But there's a Siberian or Chinese Jeez. elm that is very weedy. It's not native to here. It came from, obviously, Asia, came over this way. And then a seed found its way, and now it's taken over the West. And you don't want this particular tree in your yard because there's a bug called elm leaf leaf skeletonizer that loves to strip the foliage off the tree, makes it look terrible. The the tree throws off a seed, a little uh, like a dime-sized seed Mm -hmm. that flies all over the neighborhood. And it will come up, which is what Aileen is. Was it Aileen? Aileen. Aileen is, is coming up in the yard. And then they tend to sucker. They're just... They're more work than they're worth. If there's 10 diseases this tree can get in a neighborhood, it'll find a way to get 11. I mean, it's just, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we sell elm trees here where we've bred all those issues out of the tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's some better choices. Don't plant that one, Chinese or Siberian, Siberian elms. So, but she's got it. There's a problem. What do we do with it? So here's how you deal with it. So there's a... If you catch them while they're small, so the rain has got every seed germinating 100% <laughs> everywhere. Stuff you didn't even know no, you had. Yeah, it's just bad. So there you got a spot treat with, mm-hmm. I would say use decimate. It's a liquid uh, weed killer. And if you catch them when they're small, highly effective. Mm-hmm. If they get larger, or if you've got a big trunk growing up through your fence, and it's just mm-hmm. like knocking over the fence, and you need to get rid of this thing, there... We need to up the game. So there they make a product called Brush and Stump Killer. It's also a liquid, but it's like Roundup on steroids. And so you, you cut off this major trunk or cut off the stem of this thing and then paint it on that trunk full strength. The plant will actually absorb it and it takes out the root structure without killing the soil. Mm-hmm. So that's your secret. Um, if you could have, or what I would recommend, because you're obviously in elm country you're going to have this every year mm-hmm. i would put down in those spots where you've got lots of elm trees or lots of weeds coming up i would put weed and grass stopper mm-hmm. it's a granular you put on the ground and it creates a barrier so that those seed can't they can't put a taproot they can't get started and so i would kill off right now because probably without seeing details I'm kind of guesstimating what i'm seeing in other yards or our own yard 
I'm guessing they're small. Hit them with decimate. It's a liquid. Put a pump up sprayer. Just hit them and you know watch them die. And then I would go over right afterwards, at almost at the same time, with weed and grass stopper, and that will prevent things from coming at you more because we're not done. We've got another month and a half of mm-hmm. heavy, fast growing season for your for your gardens right. and for weeds. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how you go after weed and grass stopper. Decimate. Take it all out. Yeah. Okay. Next question is from Shelly. She's uh, she's read part of her garden, her vegetable garden. She's getting it ready for fall crops. So lettuce, spinach, that type of thing. She wants to know, should she add more mulch and manure into those empty beds to get them ready? Yeah. I, so you always want to add some freshness. So if you heavily planted last April, May, those are all the summer crops, tomatoes, peppers, squash, all those. And they are starting to fade. Some are like our tomatoes are going nuts. I mean, they're so big and heavily laden with tomatoes. Mm-hmm. They're falling over. They're just aggressively growing. They're loving this rain. So, but as things fade or let's say they got powdery mildew and you don't want to fight it anymore, pull them out and you can free up space for, for your fall and winter crops. These are broccoli. These are things that you're harvesting the foliage or the flower, like mm-hmm. broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, lettuce, spinach, kale. kale. I mean, there's so many that Cabbages. do do really well. Mm-hmm. Um, free up some space. What I try to do is when I'm digging that plant up, getting some space, I try to get some of that soil underneath it so I can pull it, pull it off to the side so I can add some freshness. Mm-hmm. Those plants actually use up the nutrients uh, the beneficials in the soil and your soil can quickly become less productive, less mm-hmm. vigor, less. So you want to add some freshness. Yes. Um, you might even want to add a little manure kind of, if you got, if you're clearing out an entire row of beans and you're about to put your peas in, I would pull all the pe- the beans out that you've kind of harvested already. Mm-hmm. I would add some manure in there and just let it set for maybe the next rainstorm, mm-hmm. which is like tonight. And then I'd start plugging my beans in, or my peas in, and mm-hmm. they'll just come up right away. And peas you can harvest into November. Yeah. So lots of good choices. We really have three seasons here: spring, which is March, April, first part of May. It's still chilly, still frosty. That's where your leafy things, mm-hmm. your spinach, what we were just talking about. Then it's your summer crops: your tomatoes. Think you're harvesting the fruit. That's uh, pumpkins and tomatoes and cucumbers, eggplants. They love the summer. And so, and then we've got another fall season, another spring season in the fall, because we're so mild, right. you can you can almost harvest 10 months out of the year mm-hmm. at any of the elevations that we're at. So yeah. really good choice okay. for planting. Yep. All right. Next question is from Jonathan out in Chino. Wants to know, how can you tell if your apples and pears are ready to pick? And then also is, can you pick them early? and store them to protect them from birds and that type of thing. Yeah. So yes, you can do all that, but, uh, but the best flavor comes when you leave it that last week on the vine, you just, that that's when all the sugars, the carbohydrates really load up on the fruit. The reason you're growing backyard fruit is so you can have the best tasting. Mm-hmm. And so if you pick them early and ripen them in your root cellar or whatever, well, that's what the grocery stores do while they're shipping them 2000 miles across <laughs> the country to your grocery store. Yeah. And you, yes, you can do that, but they'll taste better mm-hmm. if you let them ripen on the tree. Here's a little tricks for that. Um, don't let the birds get to them. <laughs> I mean, don't let the birds eat them. And, um, some folks have said uh, like red apples hang a red Christmas ornament. Oh. 
huh? in the trees. Takes them out. If they start pecking on it, going, hey, these apples are terrible. <laughs> and they you trick them into not wanting to do yeah. that. I don't know how many it takes for a really big tree, but a smaller tree, not so much. Bird tape yeah. works really, really effective. It's this mm -hmm. glimmering red to, to silver tape that kind of spooks mm -hmm. them. Uh, so there's some tricks to that. Yeah. Uh, what was his other question? How, how, I... can you, how do you tell if it is ripe? So oh. when do you start harvesting? Yeah, pick one off and try it. <laughs> if it tastes good, it's ready. If it doesn't, uh, not quite ready. More than likely your apples and pears, really, they're, they're more uh, late, late summer fall crops. You, they, they fake you out. They tease you yeah. to wanting to pick one, but leave them on the vine, on the tree till later, mm -hmm. probably. Uh, but we are starting to see some of the earliest apples come off the trees yeah. now. And they'll continue, depending on what variety. So like Granny Smith's are some of the last. Mm -hmm. You'll be picking those well into October. Right. So it just depends on the variety. But okay. pick one off. Try one. Uh, if you see any spotting or any kind of dot on that, that, that apple or pear, mm -hmm. don't bite into it. Cut it with a knife because it might be a worm inside. <laughs> okay, yeah. Good Can advice. I <laughs> Good questions this week. Ken and Lisa Lane, The Mountain Gardeners. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. The Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Prescythia already flowered? Hylacs languishing in the heat? Spring bloomers already pooped? Butterfly bushes are going strong and rebloom all summer long. Pollinators like butterflies and hummingbirds love butterfly bush for their fantastic fragrance and bright summer colors. These tough head high beauties love summer sun and bloom nonstop. Fresh new plants just arrived at the place where people who love butterflies and butterfly bushes, they love to shop. Waters Garden Center in Prescott. This is Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center, and we're here at the Garden Center floor asking customers, why do you garden? Very relaxing and interesting and I love watching the hummingbirds in the summer. And why do you like shopping at Waters Garden Center? There's so much variety, lot of choice and everybody knows everything about the stuff they sell which is very good. Waters Garden Center helping people reconnect at 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, the place where people who love to garden love to shop. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. Throughout the year, I'm preaching it, folks. Please do not put plants in the ground like they do it down in the deserts. This is so hard. The Phoenix market has such an influence over the entire state. It just drives me crazy. I won't go over into all the politics and the media outlets and the news cycles. And we're unique. We're different. This is God's country up here. Why would anyone live 10 miles from the sun? I mean, just why would people live down in the deserts? It's so gorgeous up here. But that's why, that's why it's almost a secret that it's so nice, the four-season climates. And we get some snow, but yet it's so nice during the day. It's just beautiful up here. Well, we do not put plants in the ground like you do in the deserts. We do not do, in fact, everything they preach down there. 
just ignore it. It's just going to backfire on you. And this is the time of year. This is the reason that it backfires. Down in the deserts, they don't see rain. Or if they do, it's such a torrent that it just floods out everything. It's You can't see. you got to pull over and just wait it out for 15 minutes while this, while this one thunder cell moves on. Up here in God's country, in the mountains of Arizona, here we get lighter rains, more consistent rains. Every minute, what was that? Thursday, Wednesday night, uh, it just rained and all night long. It was just beautiful. It was pleasant, easy to sleep. In fact, I think I've got to, it's more than just a sheet to sleep at night. It's starting to get a little chill in the air. It's, oh, it's beautiful. Down in the desert, they get less than 10 inches of rain. I think Phoenix gets nine, eight, eight, eight and a half inches or something. I mean, basically no rain. Up in the mountains, we get 19 inches of rain, twice as much or more. Kind of depends on where you are on the hill, with how the how the clouds are broken up by, let's say, Granite Mountain or San Francisco Peaks. You know, the backside is a little drier than the front side because the clouds hit those mountains. To get up and over and around the mountains, they have to dump their, their rain, the weight. So they they rain on the southwest side, typically, maybe west to southwest. And then they get some lift. They go over. And by the time they get over to the other side, they're lighter. So they don't have to dump any more rain. So it's typically drier on the northeast side. This is rough. It's a little, but generally speaking, you'll find the rain totals. That's how it plays out. And so you folks up in Talking Rock and, and, and that out all the way up to Williamson Valley area, you are a little drier, but you still get 15 inches of rain a year. Okay, so you get a few less. It's a lot of rain, and it hits in the monsoon seasons. So if you're treating your plants like you do in Phoenix, they're starting to die and show stress right now. Mark my words. Put this on your Take a look. Do a walkabout. Check this out. You'll find your locusts will yellow and turn turn to just die. I just lost an arbovita, an emerald green arbovita planted it this spring. It was so hot right before that heat in June. I was watering two, three times a week, trying to keep it alive. It was in a raised bed. I thought, oh, I can't overwater this. It's in a raised bed. It's impossible. The drainage is perfect. Well, no, it, it died. I had to back my irrigation off to once a week instead of twice a week watering because I'm killing my evergreens. It yellowed, got a, a branch that was dying off. I pulled that plant out of the ground, and the roots, sure enough, had root rot. That is, the, foli- the, the new root hairs had rotted off, and then the established root hairs that were there, I peeled off the bark, and it had staining. That that bark, the roots, should be like paper white should be beautiful pristine new root hairs coming out it should not have a foul odor it should not have any staining or mocha or chocolate colored on the roots it should be white like paper the only thing that will cause that staining is the roots stay in too much water and they rot that's why i tell you plant your plants make sure when they're done planted you don't have them in a divot in Phoenix, they tell you, oh, plant it in a hole. Well, rain harvest. Here, we want to have it at root level. I would say you folks out in the, the heavy clay areas at Highway 69, all the way out, I mean, the heavy clay, heavy soils, you know who you are. You, you want to have at soil level or even a little above soil level so we can drain off some of this afternoon rain, some of that monsoonal rain that gets in there 
and compounds your irrigation issues. So we don't want to gather rain up. We want it to run off and away from the roots or you'll get some root rot. And this, the monsoons is when it happens. This is when we see heavy plant loss because we're still watering like it's June and July, hot, but it's actually cooler at night. Things aren't drying out as quickly and we're still irrigating. We got afternoon rains. It's just, it, it just causes too much rain, too much moisture at the root level. We get root rot. That's also why I tell you to put so much composted mulch, not manures, organics back into the soil so it helps to raise the raise the root ball so we're out of the ground helps to add some organics so the roots can get through that native hard ick soil and so it helps to, the roots to breathe so mulch and then how to plant don't have it in a divot have it at level or above soil level and that's really why raised beds and containers do so much better than in the ground plantings because they get to breathe easier during the monsoons. If that six-minute diatribe was confusing, come in. I've got a handout that explains it all. It's free. We want you to be successful here at Waters Garden Center. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. Gardening and you don't know where to start? Waters In-Home Garden Service comes to you and identifies what you have and how to make it better. Design advice, water strategies, vegetable and flower gardens, soil and food needs, and problem solving. Always problem solving. You'll instantly be a better gardener. All for just $200 of expert time with a coupon to fill your garden dreams without ever leaving home. In-Home Garden Consultations from Waters Garden Center. We can be at your home this week. Water's garden companion plants for August are radio red salvias, trumpeting vine, and butterfly bush. Monarch and swallowtail butterflies flock to Water's butterfly bush with spectacular 8-inch flowers filling the yard with fragrance and beauty. Heat, drought, wind only make this shrub bloom more. Tough enough to grow in clay, but hardy enough to shine in containers. With so many colors to choose, every yard should have at least two. You'll only find impressive butterfly bush at Water's Garden Center in Prescott. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert, Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding, with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. Hey, and Ken and Lisa Lane back in the studio. So Lisa's my favorite gal in all the world. Uh, without doubt, for the last 40 years or so, 35, I don't know, we've dated, been married 34 years, and we've, uh, f- I was, I've been infatuated for five years before that. How about that? I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the word infatuated, but we've, we've known. We were college sweethearts through college, ASU, business management, and you were education, education, and then we got out and just said, hey, let's get married. <laughs> well. Okay. Yeah. We'll go with your story. And then you had kids immediately. <laughs> I mean, just like, like three months later, there we go. Well, it was longer. <laughs> just, just kidding. We've got four kids, three grandkids, and we love every one of them. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's just kind of Ken and Lisa Lane. We're the second generation owners of Waters Garden Center. And then uh, our, we've got our kids coming in. So third generation. So it's not unusual to have Harold Waters, your uh, father, uh, coming in. 
at your mother's. They mm -hmm. still come in and say hi and love the garden center and all that's that, that's about. And then um, then they they we're here all the time. And the kids are here all the time. There's and then dogs are here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Family business. You got we got it covered. Yeah, you got it. So anyway, yeah. this segment it's all for you. Just kind of. Yeah get that woman's perspective, a different gardener's perspective. I think there's some value to that. And just uh, what's on your your mind, top of, top of mind, and um, share with the audience and inspire them. <laughs> no pressure. So last week I was talking about um, it being a really good time to kind of take it, look at your yard and decide, yeah, I need some more color. I need, you know. And I, I started to talk about evergreens and as usual, we ran out of time. Yeah. Uh, so I thought this week we would talk about evergreen shrubs that okay. are perfect for your yard. And, and the thing I love about evergreens, whether they bloom or not, I really don't care. To me, they're that that basis, that canvas, that your yeah. other flowers and your shrub, those flowering things play off of. The anchor mm -hmm. of the gardens. Oh, so no go. matter what the season mm -hmm. is, that's the anchor. Mm -hmm. And it is nice to have evergreens. And you always tell me the percentage and I always forget. 20% should 20 be evergreens. should be evergreens. Yep. It's spring, summer, more. fall, winter. Uh -huh. So 20, 20, 20, 20. So 20% spring, 20% summer bloomers, 20% fall color, 20% evergreens. And that last 20% should be whatever you just tickles your heart. Uh -huh. Just plant that. That's okay. kind of how you, that's like 100%. That. Of course, a true gardener, they'll have 110%. They'll find <laughs> a way to get more. Grab more yeah, in there. Right. But it's really nice to have evergreen shrubs, especially by your front door where you're going in and out of a lot. Maybe a walkway around the side of the house. Yeah. Places where you're around a lot. Your patios. Um, you know, where you're just out there. It's nice to have that anchor there that you can plant other things around. So I thought we would talk about those really nice evergreen shrubs. What is your favorite evergreen shrub? Then I'll share mine. Really? Mm -hmm. I think my favorite is the hawthorns. Indian hawthorn, uh, really. Yeah, Graphiotis. I like the Indian hawthorn. Yeah. And I, one thing I like about that is it comes in so many different sizes. You can get the ballerina that gets two by two. Uh, the pink lady gets around three, four. Dwarf yettas get five, six. So it comes in such a nice variety of heights that you can use. Uh, and just that nice, heavy, kind of waxy foliage holds up so well. Drought hardy. Um, I can't think of any bugs that really go after it either. Now they're pretty, pretty low yeah. care. Sometimes deer can eat on them a little bit, but just, yeah. just for a moment, they pass, they're just passing through. Right. And they Generally bloom. They bloom like crazy. Yeah. Very fragrant spring few flower. Evergreens that bloom. It's a good choice. I don't know that I would pick that one, but I would go with would for myself. Pick? Silverberry. Ah, I love yeah. Ellie Agnes. It's a native. Mm -hmm. It's got a gold leaf to it, but it's truly got a fragrant flower. Mm -hmm. It's evergreen. Mm -hmm. And once you get it up to size, you never have to care for it again. I like that. That's Evergreen, true. you hardly have to bother with. Animals don't eat it. Javelina, uh, 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 antelope, deer, they all leave it alone. Yeah, we have three of those right in front of the house. I we was, do. I was trimming Several them the last back. weekend. Yeah, grow so <laughs> fast. Get up to head height. Yeah. They're a good plant for your They are great. Very yeah. low maintenance. Another good one. So Nandinas are mm -hmm. another one that I really like. Um, they're again kind of some different heights within the Nandinas. The Nandina domestica gets five, six feet, even up to yeah, eight. Head height. If you, yeah, were, if you let yeah. them go. Um, does really nicely. But the, my favorite ones are the Sienna Sunrise and the Gulf oh, yeah. Streams because they you don't have to fuss with them. They're a three by three, essentially shrub, evergreen. Beautiful mix of colors in there as the new new growth comes out. It has a red hue to it. 
uh, really pretty in the fall. It's the the gold and the red, and it's just a really nice nice one out there. They're getting deer resistant. Animals don't they don't bother them, so mm -hmm. they look beautiful. They look delicious. They've got a sap to them they just don't like. Right. So they found a defense mechanism mm -hmm. against the vermin. Right. And just low maintenance. So super easy to use. Don't get out of control. Boxwoods is another one, especially if you like green. Yeah, <laughs> lots of green. And it's a pollinator. So oh. bees and butterflies, I can, they love it. They use it as an early source in spring okay. for it to, because bees are hungry when they come out mm -hmm. and they wake up in the spring. So anyway. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Boxwood there again, bazillion different varieties, sizes, heights, widths. Yeah. And also. I'd say proof. They don't yeah. eat them. So yeah. I, they're just too much green for me. I, I, they're beautiful <gasps> green blobs, but there's a green blob. I, mean, I just, I don't know. You know where I like to use them is in containers. Oh, well, that's probably Because I'll yeah. use them as that center yeah. piece in that container and then plant my flowers seasonally yeah. around it. Um, and that way I've always got my anchor yeah. there with, that I can change out. So Walk down the driveway mm -hmm. to the front door. There's different places. There's a way to really design yeah. with them. It's the make nice hedges. Yeah. Nice hedges. Uh, Euonymus, which yeah. there again, how many, how many Euonymus do you think there are? Fifteen. I bet there's more than that. I don't know. Seasonally, probably more than that. <laughs> it's a it's probably my number one seller if you include them all yeah. from the winter creepers all mm -hmm. the way up to the silver kings and goldens. Right. Yeah. I just I have to look that up sometime. Yeah. Because there's a lot of them. Um, you're right, from some that are yellow and green, some that are green and yellow, some that are just green. So high, tall, low. Great variety in there. Um, and, and really have more of a leaf look to them yeah. that's evergreen. So it's yeah. kind of unusual to yeah. have that. It's called a broad leaf evergreen. Mm -hmm. It can have a white flower to it, kind mm -hmm. of pretty. Uh, and it's got a waxy leaf to it. So the wax just keeps it from perspiring, which makes it right. very robust mm -hmm. in the mountains of Arizona. Definitely. Really good choice. Yeah. And a couple people don't often think about, but rosemary and oh, lavender. Yeah, and lavender. Good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Both Perfect. Being nice ones. Um, rosemary's there's the ground cover one so if you're looking for some erosion control that's yeah. a great one for that um you got the tuscan blue you got the hill hardy just a bunch of different varieties that's one too really do your homework on that that's one maybe come to the garden center don't just buy the first one you see because there's probably again 50 different types of yeah. rosemary's and not all of them are hardy at this mm -hmm. elevation they're all hardy down in, in phoenix mm -hmm. But not up here. Right. So you want to get the right one or they can die through the winter for you. Some have more antifreeze in them. So they're right. zone hardier. Mm -hmm. So we're only selling the ones that grow here. The barbecues, uh, Huntington uh, carpets, the, the Tuscans. Those are tough and they've proven mm -hmm. themselves. Uh, but otherwise, if you, sometimes you make a blunder and it wasn't you. Yeah. You were just sold the wrong thing and there's no way you could have won. It's going right. to die in the winter. So just some homework. Yeah. Some I would homework. say that's true of lavender. Yeah, too. very much. Make yeah, sure you're getting much. ones that are rated for that's here. Right. Um, and the other thing about rosemary, you get that blossom in the spring and yeah. you get a fall blossom too, yeah. don't you? So, ours just went into bloom didn't it? with this last, this last week or so yeah. started going to bloom. It'll keep that bloom through fall. Right, right. Uh, Catoniasters are another really good thing I like about Catoniasters is you kind of get some seasonal out of them. So most of them are going to bloom with a white blossom in the spring. And then they're going to put on a real pretty berry in the fall and winter. So that's yeah. really nice to get that kind of seasonal. And then, of course, you can't forget junipers. 
Juniper Although a lot of you would like to. <laughs> it's the most robust of yeah. all of the evergreens. Mm -hmm. We're surrounded by evergreen forests. So right. of course, junipers are going to do really well. Mm -hmm. And the number one seller you forgot, red tip college. She's like selling that one plant. <laughs> it's the number one seller. But anyway, yeah. those are all good choices. And mm -hmm. there's more than just that. Oh, so yeah. there's many choices that you can plant now through. Mm -hmm through autumn and, and they'll do really well for you. Okay. okay, Ken and Lisa Lane, The Mountain Gardeners. Thank you, Lisa. We'll be right back after this. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. This is Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center, and we're here at the Garden Center floor asking customers, why do you garden? As a child, I like to do a vegetable garden, so I'm having a wonderful time playing with plants, and I'll go out every day and look to see how much they've grown. I really am surprised at how much I'm enjoying it and reconnecting as with my childhood, I think. Waters Garden Center, helping people reconnect. At 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, the place where people who love to garden love to shop. Waters Garden Companion Plants for July are maple, verbena, crepe myrtle, and rose of Sharon hibiscus. Rose of Sharon is a mountain hardy hibiscus with anemone-like blooms. Each stem of this hardy hibiscus is packed with buds. She makes a beautiful informal hedge or screen and is easily trained into small trees. Available Prescott colors show in blue, purple, white, red, and pink for years of enjoyment. You'll find breathtaking hibiscus here at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. If you're new to Northern Arizona, there are some planting mistakes that really happen and it really play out. And it's more difficult to actually get your design right in the mountains of Arizona because we're, we're so hardcore xeriscape. I mean, even more so than Phoenix because all of our water rights, they've been given to Phoenix, to the deserts. All the surface water goes to SRP and they get it all. You get none. And so the, unless you're on a well, even then they regulate, make you, make you watch that. I won't go into what my thoughts all are, are on, on water rights of Arizona, but let's say it's, it's, not quite as fair as it used to be, but really it, it, we don't have lawns like the Midwest. We don't have lawns even like California. We don't use the water like they do. We're much more efficient. In fact, if you look at your per person usage per day, we're using half to even 60-70% less per household than the rest of the country. We are efficient with our water use. And part of that is because we use rock so much. We use rock lawns in the landscape. Well, what, what that does for you is it's easy to get it out of proportion. You don't get your designs right. So it feels, it just doesn't feel like it did in California. It doesn't feel like that rolling hills of the Midwest. The feeling's off. The reason being is the percentage, the, 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 the landscape Greenery, that is your softscape to hardscape. Softscape is all the plants. Hardscapes are all the patios, driveways, decks, fences, 
It even goes so far as the irrigation and your night lighting. That's all considered hardscape. We want a 60-40 proportion. This is just what they teach you in design school. This is just quoting the book, 60-40. 60, 60% of the surface area should be softscape. That is covered by plants. Now, that's a little deceiving in that a tree, all that surface area underneath a tree, that's considered part of that proportion. It goes into that that design. And so the mature height of a tree will be 60-40 is what you want. Well, in the Midwest, California, even Phoenix, it's very easy because they have lawn. The lawn covers up a multitude of, of, of mistakes. Here we don't have green lawns. We have hardscape lawns. It's a dead, non-living lawn. And so it feels quickly, if you get underneath that 60-40, let's say it's 40% plants, 60% just hardscape, all of a sudden it feels more lunar, less balanced, more sterile. Something's not less vibrant, not alive. I just don't like to be in this space. It's not as relaxing. I don't want to stroll through like I would a 60-40 if I had a little more plants to it. Let's say you bought that that uh, designer's lot. Let's say you bought the home builder, had a model home, and they, they overplanted it 10 years ago. You bought it because the subdivision's now played out. Or you, you're in the home of a gardener. They've been planting for decades. You bought that house, and you're going, man, it just feels like a jungle. My goodness, what, what were they thinking? What's not been maintained was never, I mean, they haven't been cutting back and thinning and getting rid of some of the plants. Now we're above that 60%. Let's say it's 70 or 80% plants to your hardscape. And it feels overgrown, like you're choking, like you can't breathe. It just, I mean, that's just, this just doesn't feel right. 60 40. That's why you want to get those proportions correct. There's a couple other things too that you really want to, to watch. Subsoil. We don't have topsoil. In the mountains, we hardly have any. The few inches of topsoil that we do have, that's the living, breathing material. Now, when you're planting, if you don't add organics back to your soil, it won't continue to feed and add to that, that living, breathing cycle of the soil. So many of you will take your subsoil and bring it to the top. Or let's say your contractor did that for you. They scraped off that little bit of topsoil and they, they pushed it off to the edge because it doesn't hold your footers. It doesn't put your driveway in correctly. It's more light and fluffy. It's alive. They want sterile, dead, hard, compacted soil. That's what the contractor wants. Some of you are, are living, trying to grow in that subsoil, dead soil. And you're wondering why you put a plant in and it doesn't grow. It just sits there. Looks at you. It's been three years. Hasn't grown once. That's because you're, you're dealing with a subsoil that's, that's dead. The plant won't grow, ever grow, because it's not happy in a dead soil. It doesn't want to live in a morgue. It wants to grow out in the forest where it's alive and breathing. The soil's active. So that's one thing to watch. If your plants aren't growing, you need to make sure you plant it correctly and then top dress and really add to the life cycle of the soil, not the plant, the soil. The, the obvious blunder is putting the wrong plant in the wrong place. So if you've got shade plants, let's say you're used to growing hollies in the Midwest, and it says grow in full sun, Japanese maples in full sun in California. You try to bring those into full sun here at this higher elevation where sun is real. I mean, it's intense. 
uh, you'll, you'll burn them. And so you can't keep the leaves from burning back. So we need to make sure you really study where do I put that plant. So it's actually easier here in the mountains of Arizona to, to find sunny plants. I mean, the garden center here at, here at Waters, we've got probably 60, 70, 80% sunny plants. There's only a few shade lovers out there. So that's one thing to watch. The other is getting out of proportion. We've already covered that. So you're getting too many plants or not enough. Or sometimes it just gets too busy. There's too, you got to take that English garden thing to an extreme. And so you, we kind of have some continuity and some design it really helps. You know, a foundational tree in the back. Or we want our orchard, we want just fruit trees back here. So we line them up, we, we landscape that area. The other one that I, I think we get wrong is too much of the same thing. And I th- see this more from my Phoenix and California folks. They want evergreens, nothing but evergreens. Or let's say you had your landscaper who's just bidding it out by price. I just I want the lowest price. That's it. Okay, you're hired. And he puts nothing but red tip photinia because it's the cheapest plant to buy at the nurseries because it grows so fast. So you got this red tip photinia evergreen thing everywhere and it feels just too much of the same thing. You need some more. Really, the, the balance should be 20% of your landscape plant should be spring bloomers. 20% should be summer bloomers. 20% should be fall-colored plants. And 20% should be evergreens. And then the last 20% should just be whatever you want that makes you happy because you just like, I like roses. I want more roses. So that's kind of a quick, quick and dirty uh, things to watch. What what was that? I gave you. I may have given you too many things. Sorry, I really get on a roll. I get on my soapbox. But watch your subsoil. Make sure you're not dealing in dead soil, and then amend. Add some composted mulch back to your soil, which will activate the living organisms, mycorrhizals, worms, that kind of stuff. Watch where you're placing your plants. Everyone wants a Japanese maple in the mountains of Arizona, but very few people can actually have them because we don't have a shaded area that's protected from the sun and the wind. Many of you can up in the pines, grow them. They'll take our cold. It's not the cold. It's the sun and the heat and the dryness of spring that gets them. So azaleas, uh, hydrangeas, they grow very well here if you put them in the right place. So in the wrong place, they suffer and die and, and just they look terrible. Getting out of proportion. You don't have enough plants or you have too many plants. Getting that 60-40 thing right. Spacing your hedges correctly. Um, it's too busy. I just have too many colors. I don't have, pick a theme. Make it look, have a, have a consistency there. And then too much of the same thing. It's all nothing but evergreens. And if you need help with that, iPads. A phone, digital phone, take a picture, bring it in. We'll help you space that out. That with a quick row. I just helped someone with a, with a corral. Too much dust has come off of her corral, going off of her. Really, it's a training plaid, pad. It's going off into her neighbors, and there's a little bickering. We're going to put in a hedgerow there. Well, she brought an iPad. Here it is. I said, what's the distance? It's 120 feet. Let me help you plan this so it feels like a garden. It will cut the dust make it visually acceptable for them. It'll be garden-esque, but it had to be things the horse wouldn't eat. That was a challenge. We can help you with that. Bring, bring a digital copy because so we can zoom in, see what's there, and then give us a quick measurement, and we can help you design. The aisles here at the Garden Center have created more gardens for folks uh, that, that really look good. 
be right back with more on The Mountain Gardener. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Hi, Kenneth Waters with our Monster Monsoon Sale, our only sale of the year. Truckloads of fresh autumn maple, aspen, and spruce have just arrived, and we need room, so summer plants must go. Perennials, trees, shrubs, even pottery must go, and it's worth your while with plant sales at 25, 45, even 65% off. It's Waters' only sale of the year at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Where people who love great plants at sale prices, they love to shop. Hi, Waters with the Plants of the Week and our Gold Flame Honeysuckle. Wonderfully fragrant. These blooms are in full color right now and will stay that way until the first frost of October. These pink and gold blooms are irresistible to hummingbirds and butterflies alike. Excellent as a quick ground cover, but robust enough to climb vertical structures and fences, all for under $37. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love blooming vines, they love to shop. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. So I just got back. We took a team up, four of us from Waters Garden Center, took the management team up to Portland, Oregon. And we get a lot of our bigger trees, bigger evergreens from up there. So the, we've got some farmers, some friends we know that grow some of our plants up there. And we go up and we walk the fields, hand pick. So out of, let's say, a thousand maple trees that grow in the field, they'll be that top five, 10%, the cream of the crop are just over the top. You're going, oh, I can't believe they could be that pretty. Oh my gosh. Spruce, I can't believe that's a perfect tree. It's the perfect. I can't believe it grows that nice. So we'll walk and we'll actually physically tag which trees we want to put on the truck for this fall and then next spring. And then it's an eye-opener for, for the my managers. So it creates relationships. And so that's how we got through this whole pandemic thing is we had such strong relationships, I mean, friendships with our farmers that we could call, you know, Farmer Bob, that's not their name, up in, at the farm in Salem, Oregon, go, hey, I'm out of a back rye spruce. I need some more. <laughs> you know, there's any way you can send me 10 more down. I need about six foot tall. They go, sure, Ken, got you covered. They'll be on the truck. They'll be there for you. And you just know they're going to be top quality because they know who you are. They know what kind of store you are. We've built this relationship. That's truly what neighborhoods, you can have neighbors, friends, you know, colleagues alongside across the country. I mean, garden centers, this is a really small business nationally. We all know each other locally and statewide and nationally. And so we go up to to build those relationships. Part of what we believe here, what Waters Garden Center stands for, this is the, the 10 things. We've got them all listed out. We've got verses to go with them. We've got Disney sayings to go with them. We know what character we're like. And so we go, uh, we believe our vendors have to thrive because if they don't thrive, we don't thrive. We need our distributors. We need our we need that supply chain. Because if we don't, we can't do it on our own. We're too small. The, the big box stores, they can do it on their own. They don't they they squeeze their vendors down until they go bankrupt many times. And so we've we want you to be 
We want you to be able to feed your family. We want our managers and our staff to be able to feed their families. And we want to, at the end, make a small profit so we can give it back to our community so our community becomes stronger. That's truly what we believe in. Whoa, went too far. Sorry. I thought I was at my net, my last uh, staff meeting. Sorry, this is what we teach our, our employees, our staff. Uh, but I got, to, I got the privilege of traveling to Oregon and taking my team up there to just experience that. And it's, it's an eye-opener. It's fun. Plus, we get to bond together as just colleagues. It's just a great time. I want to reach out and just kind of say thank you to one of our sponsors, Monrovia Growers. These are a big farm, and they, they grow some of these. They're kind of the, like the Lexus or the Cadillac of the grower industry. They grow some of the finest plants in the country. And, and probably a quarter, 20%, I don't know what the percentage. A large percentage, you'll see Monrovia uh, plants here at the Garden Center because we believe in their plants. They have such nice things, consistent. And if I can take your owners to dinner, and we can go to dinner together, not your board of directors, not your chairman, not your president, I mean the owner. If we can go to dinner, you are likely to be a supplier of ours. If it's a big corporate uh, big corporate company, we're, we're, not, we're not interested. You're supplying the box stores. Go to them. We want to have better relationships. And that's just part of it. So we want, uh, so Monrovia Nurseries, they believe in that and they, they supply us and they sponsor the program. So thank you for doing that. So our sponsor this week is Monrovia Growers. They've got, oh, I don't know, five farms, one in Oregon and uh, one in the Central Valley by Salia. So, but for Ken and Lisa, uh, we're just gardeners here in Prescott, Arizona. We love talking to fans of the show. We're out on the floor often. Our family, we've got six family members that work here and three dogs. We just love talking gardening to locals. If we can help you anyway, please visit. Hi, Ken here with the Plants of the Week and our Pink Volcano Flocks. Just when spring flowers are fading, these beauties revive and show off. Your grandmother only dreamed of growing a pretty pink phlox this fine. Each flower cluster could make a bridal bouquet all by itself. This new volcano series is erupting with flowers used to accent entries and fountains, all for $15. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. For people who love eruptions of pink flowers, they love to shop. Hi, Lisa here with the Plants of the Week and our Lavender Chiffon Hibiscus. This hardy variety is one of the longest blooming, most prolific shrubs showing off massive four-inch lavender flowers all summer long. This stately bush likes to show off and all for $39. But wait, there's more. These pretty shrubs come back again next year with even more stunning beauty. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love stunning hibiscus, they love to shop. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.